our star guest, you mm. get to introduce that star guest. All right. And when you do it, you better bring the real stuff. I mean, we, we this talking about a vice president of the National Football League. So this week, the winner of the introduce a star contest was Neil Dutton, who somehow somehow guessed Henry Hodgson like in two guesses, which was amazing. But if we got Neil ready to go? Uh, w Henry's here, ready to go, and Neil's here as well. So I'll get it going, yeah. All right, let's go. Let's go. Jeff, your next guest is a man who requires little introduction, but I'll introduce him anyway. He is the VP of International Marketing for the NFL. He has appeared on the Dave Damaschek football program. He's appeared on the Around the NFL podcast. He has served as a tour guide, general helper, bodyguard to William the Refrigerator Perry when he was in London, and also Kim Kardashian from back in the day. He's also a man who, as a bowler, strikes fear into the hearts of England captains all across the planet. He is Mr. Henry Hodgson, a.k.a. Handsome Hank, Follow him on Twitter at NFL UK Hank. Whoa! Wow! Wow! wow. Whoa. Whoa. Neil, Neil Dutton, Neil Dutton you, are, you are never going to get anywhere near this show again because you're going to take my job, bro. That, that was Henry. Did you hear that? I, wow. I, not only did I hear it, I want to take Neil Dutton everywhere I go. So every time I enter a room, Neil Dutton just goes in front of me and, and gives me that intro. I love it. Thank you, Neil. OJS90 says, Handsome Hank. Look at this now. Handsome Hank, I wasn't aware of that one. When did, when I, know, did we, I, I try to did, keep that away from you, Jeff. That's uh, that's not something you need to, you need any, any knowledge of, but now here we are. I, when did you start going with Handsome Hank? I never started going with Handsome Hank. Dave Damashek, um, very early on to, into my relationship uh, working with him, christened me Handsome Hank. It's not a name that I have necessarily gone out with myself, and I prefer not to. But um, but I, I mean, yeah, that, that's how unfortunately I've come to be known by some people. So that puts you in pretty rarefied territory because we got Eddie Spaghetti, we got Handsome right. Hank. He's got his right. own little cast of exactly. characters. Exactly, he's got his own cast of characters, and that was that was my name. Um, ah. So, uh, but yeah, very kind. Unfortunately, it leads people to an assumption that that I, you know, it was fine for a podcast, right? No one actually gets to see me. Now they can see me, and they're like, "Well, wait a second, he's called what?" Um, so, how are you doing, hey, Jeff? It's nice to see you, man. It's uh, I'm doing really good, my brother. Hey, um, we're gonna unpack a lot of stuff here this morning, and a lot of it is kind of it's going to be fun, and it's going to go. You know, we're we're loose, loosely scripted. It, Loosely at, scripted, exactly. at the best of times, but right. uh, you know, fans, you're welcome to call in and ask, ask any kind of question, make a comment, get a hot take, make a complaint, whatever you want to do through the whole <laughs> through, through the show. Michael Grimes here, and now again, I'm going to say this, Mike. Can we get this straightened out, please? Because I mean, how many weeks do we got to go through this? Tell us where you're from in the universe, because our listen, this is not some regional podcast. This thing goes around the globe. This is the vice president of international marketing. So you could have you could be from anywhere and we need to know where you're from. So when you Michael Grimes hit us back, 
we'll, we'll uh, you know, again, I appreciate the kudos, but I need to know where you're from so we can address that. Because Henry's not only is it a worldwide podcast, but it's worldwide. Jeff Reinbold, you, he, does he know you from Canada? Does he know you from the UK? Is it Hawaii? Where, like, where, where does he know you from? All right, let's get started. I found out, right, and I didn't get Neil Dutton to give me the information, although I should have just called Neil. <laughs> exactly. but, but you actually started with the National Football League before you graduated from high school. Now, how in the hell did you do that? That is correct. I, um, we, at high school, we were asked to do some work experience. Um, you know, that was kind of a project that we were set for, a, I think, a summer break. Um, and a lot of people went off and did whatever their dad did or their mom did and, and kind of showed up for work there for a few days. And I thought, screw it. Let me, um, you know, I loved the NFL by then. I'd fallen passionately in love with the sport. There was an office that had just opened up in the UK. And I wrote a letter and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I was 16, 17 years old. I'd love to come and, and do like, you know, what, what can I do? How can I come and help you? And at that time, they were, um, it, was, it was when the American Bowl series of preseason games was taking place. And they had one that was taking place that summer in Berlin, as well as a European Youth Championships program. So I was invited to go along and help them. I went to Berlin for I don't know, a week, 10 days, something like that. The Giants played the Chargers um, in Berlin. Lawrence Taylor had just retired, but he was shipped out there to um, to kind of be the, the face of the Giants. Because if you remember, that was a time period where they had gone from LT and Phil Sims and all those guys to nothing, Ooh, basically. To nobody, Dave, yeah. Dave Brown and, and Kent Graham were, were, um, were battling for the starting quarterback job. Uh, but they were playing against the Chargers. The, that Chargers team ended up getting to the Super Bowl at the end of that year. So it was pretty cool to be there like day one of, of their season. But yeah, spent a week getting experience, uh, doing all, you know, writing press releases, doing all kinds of stuff that as a 16, 17 year old, you know, was like just pitch in and help out where you can. And, you know, I guess the, the most important thing was making some relationships that meant that I could uh, come and, and, and continue working over the years for the NFL. All right. Now, I got to know, did you have to bring a letter from home from your mom excusing you to call? Pretty much. I mean, I just, I, Oliver, I, dear Mr. Luck. You know what? Well, that, was, that was even that was even at that time. It was even before before Oliver Luck. I think it must have been in you know one of those hiatuses between NFL Europe or World League happening and then NFL Europe reopening. Um, but yeah, no, he, I, I think it was, it was just prior to his time. I, you know, what, it's a weird one. Like now, if a 16 year old wrote to the NFL and said, Hey, I'd like to, you know, come and do some work experience. They'd be like, yeah, thanks. I bet you would. <laughs> uh, and that, that would be the end of it. But, um, but it happened and I'm incredibly grateful for it. All right. So you do your little thing. You go back to high school now, you know, like when you got with your buddies in high school, right? And they said, what'd you do for, what'd you do for work experience? I, oh, I went to my dad's company or I went, you know, da, da, da. Right. I went to Berlin to a professional football game. Well, they must've said, what? They were like, what? yeah, there were definitely, and there was a lot of disbelief. And I actually had photographic evidence of like, here's me with Lawrence <laughs> Taylor. Here's me with Junior Seau. It was, a, it was an awesome experience. It really was uh, to be a part of that. And, uh, and then when the, when the Chargers made the Super Bowl later that year, you know, I was able to, um, not that anyone cared because it was, you know, this was before football had really taken off and become popular in the UK, but I was able to say, look, I was there, you know, when, when they started their season, they couldn't have done this without me. And then I, they got blown, then they got blown out in the Super Bowl by Steve Young. Like a large percentage of people your age in the UK, you are a Dolphins fan. 
an, yep. an avowed Dolphins fan. And unlike unlike my buddy Neil, who jumps on and off the bandwagon with 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 the W's or the L's, but yep. you are you are a devoted Dolphin fan. How did you? How, how did that happen? That I mean, that was a, a simple one, um, and you know, it's a similar story for people of my age and and Neil's age um, in the UK. Um, you know, football first came on TV over there um, in the early '80s, and they would show the best game from the previous week, um, and it, it cut down into like a 40-minute highlight package. And you know, nine times out of ten, who was playing in the best game? It was Dan Marino throwing the ball all over the yard and doing the things that he did that were, you know, completely at the time revolutionary in the NFL. And so I guess partly because you saw a lot of a lot more of them and it looked so great, um, I got attracted to it. But also my dad had lived in the US just for a short period of time in the you know earlier, I guess in the in the sort of mid 70s when the Dolphins were also at their height. So I think that was a team that he was attracted to. And so when they came on TV, I would watch the games with him because he had he had enjoyed the sport when he lived in the US and and had kind of become a Dolphins fan so it was partially Marino and and everything that and it was I guess you know then parental pressure to uh to adopt that team all right so you pick up the ball and you start throwing spirals I want to get we'll 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 get into your quarterback history a little bit thank you a little bit we should spend a lot of time there no we are going to do we are going to really go I'm going to I'm, I'm going <laughs> to you know I've got yeah like you said I've got photographic evidence and I'm, I'm going to be break, breaking down your technique later on in the show okay but you go now back to high school. Then, how, how did you get back? I mean, how did you take that and parlay that one opportunity into a you know into a career? Yeah, so that I mean, it still was not definitely far from a career. After that, after that opportunity that we just talked about, I got the chance to um, between high school and college spend. Um, I took a year out between high school and college and spent most of that year working for then the London Monarchs who had kind of returned um, to play uh, as part of NFL Europe. Um, and again, kind of got thrown into the fire, small team, small office. And that was the year, big year for the London Monarchs, probably the, the most famous year for the London Monarchs. They signed a guy named William Perry, William the Refrigerator Perry, who at the time was, and you know, maybe, and Jeff, you know this as well as anyone, probably still is the best known football player in the UK. And I would think, you know, Tom Brady is still struggling to, to overtake the fridge. Um, so he came to play for the Monarchs um, for the 1996 NFL Europe season. And, you know, it was, he was towards the end of his career. Let's say he was pushing the 400 LBs marker uh, when, he, when he stepped on the scales. So he wasn't going to make a whole lot of impact on the field and, and, and didn't really. But he did definitely make a big impact in terms of marketing um, the London Monarchs and, and drawing people's awareness to, to NFL Europe. So as part of, you know, me saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm around and I'd love to come and help you guys out for a few months. Uh, it was like, OK, great. You need to you have to escort the fridge to all of his PR appearances on TV, radio, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I hung with the fridge for, um, I guess, you know, two, three months, maybe while he was, uh, while he was around in Europe, he, he, he didn't make it through it the whole way through the season. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, but, but yeah, I hung out, hung out with the fridge, uh, for, for a long period of time. That was fun. Now William, you, that's actually how you became his bodyguard. Right. And so that was the question that we asked. What Englishman is the only, as far as we knew, ever been a bodyguard for the fridge? And, you know, Neil Dutton pulls that one right out of the hat. Like, I don't I can't believe it. The story's you know, been told. The story's been told. They used to call me the fridge magnet because I had to I had to stick <laughs> to the fridge. Um, 
That was no, that was seriously. To wasn't that a little bit um, oxymoronic, if you will? That here you are, this nineteen, probably at that time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A nine, you're a nineteen-year-old skinny English kid. Yeah, I was kid. probably like pushing 150, 160 pounds. <laughs> Here's this four hundred-pound defensive lineman, and you're supposed to. Look out Jeff, for I, him. Let, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. Like I, I definitely wasn't his security. That 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 was maybe you overreaching a bit there. But there were some things that the fridge couldn't do that I had to help with. Like he couldn't take his like, socks touch off. Touch his toes. Yeah, he touch couldn't take his, his socks off. He, someone had to take his socks off. That was me. So that you know, I got my start doing things like that. And right. I'm I'm genuinely not kidding about that. All right, now that's that. Now that's priceless. I, I want to use all you kids out there. Right, all you kids that want to make be successful one day, you got to be willing. You, you got to be willing to work. Right at you the bottom. Start at the bottom. That refrigerator Perry socks. You know, I got to ask you though. Um, I've had an opportunity to be around Mike Singletary a bunch and worked with him, and great, great guy. He and he's, he. Every time you you talk about the fridge, he lights up and, and giggles a little bit. But he said, he, he, "Fridge's wife could be a handful, though." Did you did you run into any of that? Know, I don't, yeah, I don't even know if I'm allowed to tell some of these stories even still now. But yeah, William William Perry is married or was married. I don't think they're still together, unfortunately, but was married to a lady named Sherry Perry. Um, and Sherry um, definitely, uh, I don't know what what um, you know what had happened when he was when William was really the king of the hill in Chicago. But Sherry was very worried about um, how attractive William was to the ladies, even still at four hundred pounds. Four hundred pounds. Yeah, so there was there was there was some th there were some restrictions, you know, for William, and and I guess I can get into this. It's like William wasn't allowed as part of uh, you know the agreement that we have with them, you know, which was you know promotional as well as him playing. William wasn't allowed to be photographed with women, but as you know, you know, football in in Europe and in the rest of the world is like the fridge was one thing that people knew about, and then cheerleaders was another thing that that people knew about. But at no point could the fridge and cheerleaders be in the same shot. Which which restricted some of the things that we had to do. So there was some, there were definitely some interesting times uh, with Sherry, and and you know there were times where Sherry loved me, and then there were some times where I think I I got um because I you know we overstepped the mark. Sherry uh, got um got very upset with us. All right, let, let's talk about another kind of uh, love hate situation, and it's uh, those London Monarchs, right? Mm -hmm. Which uh, Bobby Hampton, Bobby Ham. Bobby Hammond. Bobby Hammond was the head coach, right? Yep. And Bobby had been with the Jets and, mm -hmm. you know, ex-NFL guy. He comes over to be the head coach. And there is a story floating around about you and Bobby Hammond almost came to blows at one point. Now, what I, in the we, world was we that? Didn't, no, I mean, coming to blows sounds like I was going to deliver some blows. There were no blows on my side. Bobby, but on one day um, in particular, became quite upset with me because I hadn't managed to persuade any Monarchs players to go to like some kind of violin concerto or something that he had managed to get the whole team tickets for. And he, <laughs> he decided it was my job to, to hand out the tickets. So when I came back and I was like, Hey coach, sorry, you know, I tried, but no one wants to, to listen to classical music in some country house uh, outside of London. <laughs> he, he became very agitated. Uh, and uh, well, yeah, he, he definitely um, wanted to, to, um, Teach me a lesson. Well, awesome. I tell you what, uh, amazing uh, fans. Get a get your questions to Mike as the fans come with their stuff. Just put it up and, and we'll jump on them as we go. Henry, um, about those those 
you know, uh, years in national National Football League Europe, World League of American Football was mm -hmm. your first first incarnation, and all that. You know, so many kids got a chance to become NFL players because of that. And, you know, Nick Ferguson yeah. goes and plays ten years. We all, everybody knows the Kurt Warner story, but you know, Jake Delhomme. There's so many, many guys. So many great stories, and you know, and, with, with, I think we, I think with Adam Vinatieri just leaving the NFL now, I think that's probably it. But there was a long period of time where you know you could count the number of guys that had come through NFL Europe and and were still you know playing in the NFL. But I think we're now just about. I think he was probably the last last man standing. Well, you know what? It's interesting now. Now that you see him in coaching, you know, absolutely. When, when, you know, you look around. Vance Joseph, who's the defensive coordinator in in, in uh, Arizona, played for me in Amsterdam. You know, mm -hmm. and played in yep. played in Barcelona. So there are yep. a number of those guys out there. I got a question from: uh, What is your favorite memory from the modern London game series while working in the NFL? This is Sean hmm. from Bolton. Uh, I love the question, Sean. Um, my favorite moment from any of those London games, genuinely the very first one, like the work that went in. And, you know, this is a, a good moment to be talking about it because um, Alistair Kirkwood recently left the UK office. But the work, and, and Jeff, I think you were around at the time, the work that was put in, you know, post NFL Europe, um, kind of especially being in the UK. And then, um, you know, the, the sort of three, four year program that wound up with a game being played in London. Um, the, you know, even, even 18 months, two years before that happened, they actually played a game in Mexico city. If you remember, um, that, that, that happened just before that, which we tried to get to come to London and that didn't happen. And it still seemed so unlikely that there would be a regular season game played outside of the U S just, you know, the Mexico thing was crazy, but at least it was close. The idea that there would be one in London was, was pretty far fetched. So I can tell you definitely that that very first game. When the ball kicked off, I know it was pouring with rain. I know the Wembley field wasn't looking its best, but when 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 that game kicked off, I I mean I, I can I get goosebumps thinking about the goosebumps that I got then, just that like this was happening, it was happening there, and I guess you know just specifically for me that the Miami Dolphins were playing in that game was a pretty awesome um, thing as well. Well, I think you know when Henry, I was there at the time when Alistair first you know f let that balloon float. And the, you could hear the laughter from the New York office all the yeah. way in London that, exactly. that it'll, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. Yeah. And the football people said no way and the whole thing. And, and again, I think Alistair Kirkwood, his legacy with the National Football League is cemented in that international series. And it's yeah. such a great thing because That's when cool. we were together and you were with the Claymore, I mean, with the uh, Monarchs, it wasn't well, with quite, the league office. Yeah, with the league office. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, yeah. early on when you were with the with the Monarchs, I can remember going into White Hart Lane. And yeah. honest, honest to God, Henry, I think you could count the number of people in the stands on two hands. Seriously, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I, that's definitely true. I mean, you know, for for all of those NFL Europe games, there were times there were stadiums you could go to if there were teams that were in the doldrums and weren't playing well, you'd go in there and and by halftime you would you you could have introduced yourself to and had a pretty good conversation with everyone in the stadium. Um, so to where we've got to now, you know, for that first game in London, I remember before the game happened, when we announced that we were going to get the game, we. Um, we did you know, what was called a registry of interest. So fans in the UK could go in and say, Hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm interested in coming to the game. And I would, I think we allowed a maximum of maybe eight tickets that they could say, you know, I'm Jeff, I'd like to come to the game and I'm going to bring eight friends or there will be eight of us going. And I remember making the, you know, the announcement being made 
at the Super Bowl, or, you know, a couple of days prior to the Super Bowl. And then we set up this registry of interest. And I remember being with Alistair during the Super Bowl when it was being promoted on Sky, like, hey, you can sign up and get, the, you know, at least put your name down for tickets. And when the number broke the 500,000 ticket mark, it was like, yeah, I think we're going to think this is going to be a success. <laughs> and that that is a testament to, you know, in the in the whatever that was between the the times where you could count the number of fans in White Hart Lane to six years later, let's say, when when this was actually taking place. That's a testament to the work that was done, you know, led by Alistair and by the team that you were a part of in the London office to build the sport to the extent that, you know, we could have sold out Wembley however many times over that would be. Well, I mean, it, it all changed so much because when we were, you know, staying in those old hotels in NFL Europe and, and uh, you know, traveling the way we travel, I went to interview uh, Sean McVay at the, at the Rams headquarters in, outside of London when they came mm -hmm. in and played a couple of years ago. Nice, and I'm nice stuff. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. It was phenomenal. And they took the parking lot and they made him a locker room. I mean, it was, it was the top. That's where they put you up. That's where they put you up when you do the sky work, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. And I want you, you to be, speak I, to I, someone I, about that. And can I use your name? Sure. Can I say that? Can drop, I say my, that? <laughs> drop my name. That'll make a difference. Now, I want to drop your black card. That's what I want to, that's what I want to <laughs> drop. Hey, but, but. When you when the when the monarchs were out at Crystal Palace and Tony Allen talked about this a little bit when he was on, but you guys had a player revolt, did you not? There was a player revolt because the the players had to stay in this. Uh, it may even still be there, like on the edge of the. Imagine imagine you know playing in this and then your dorm room whatever is like five yards from where you practice every day, so you can't escape this at all. But it is a concrete block, I don't know thirty stories high. But the size of each story, you know, each room would be, you know, the size of a, a bathroom for a normal human being. But it's actually for a football player, you know, huge football player. The beds were like five foot six long. None of this was set up. It was the most convenient place to put them, but literally the worst place for these players because they were living on top of where they were working. The team wasn't performing well. You can only, you know, you can imagine how frustrating the whole experience would have been. And you're told you're in London, but you're actually, you know, you know enough about London to know that Crystal Palace, wonderful part of London, but you're not exactly, it's not the bright lights um, of, of central London. So, um, yeah, the players kind of were, were not having the best time. And, and uh, there was a moment where I think the combination of losing a coach, you mentioned Bobby Hammond, who was who, you know, maybe um, wasn't beloved by his by his players. Uh, and there was a, a, a revolt um, that I think was led by a guy, a, a guy named Ivan Caesar, who was a pretty decent linebacker, played one game for the Monarchs, led the team in tackles and then was inexplicably cut the next morning. And um, <laughs> And after he was told that he was being released, kind of as a scapegoat for a game that he definitely wasn't responsible for losing, um, he uh, yeah he 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 sort of uh, took the mic in this uh, in this player complex and uh, and and uh, told some secrets about Bobby Hammond. I think I'd say that. Well, I, I heard that the, the the microphone he got was to the intercom for all the, the rooms in this exactly. facility. Yes, he was he was broadcasting live to everybody. And and he called out Bobby Hammond and said, "Bobby Hammond, get down here. I'm, I won't yeah. say the rest of it." Hey, uh, yeah. I got a question here. How excited is Henry for the future of the Dolphins? This is from David in Glasgow. David, I am excited because I'm a big Tua believer. Um, I don't think he was given a fair, or not an unfair shake last year, but he was coming off the injury that we all knew about that you know ended his career at Alabama, and then you know the Dolphins are a work in progress uh, and certainly were last year. Didn't have a great 
uh, number of weapons to 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 get the ball to either a receiver or a running back. Um, had an offensive line that had I think three rookies on it last year. So you know, people who are like, "Oh, we saw him for six games. It's time to replace him." I just think that's crazy. Like this is a guy who had so much talent, was working with less than he had in college, and you know, I think the Dolphins have done a great job in trying to stock up, and will do another great job, I'm sure, because I really believe in in Chris Greer, the general manager, and and obviously Brian Flores, the head coach. I think will do a great job uh, in the draft this year, and I I want to see him you know, for two more years, get the opportunity that quarterback should be allowed to, to grow into the role. Cause you know, that's, he, he's, he's got all the talent in the world. All right. Now you get, you come to work with the league mm-hmm. and you and another skinny, tall, uh, American football player from England are <laughs> co- in, in cahoots together working in the league, Neil Reynolds, who's now become, you know how, so, so th- let me just say, this is a co- really cool thing for me. Because I look at you now as vice president of the NFL, and I look at Neil, who's now become the face of the NFL the in face, the UK. The I face think that, of the NFL, yeah. And, and I think that's a fair statement. And yeah, just yeah. to just to remember you guys as being those two young guys that were just so energetic and so much fun to be around, so much a part of our Team Europe stuff, all of that. We go from the King's Road offices down to Piccadilly Square, I think, and. Yep. There is a stock room in the NFL, the old those old NFL offices. And fans, let me tell you something. Every day, I worked in player in the international player program. So Tony Allen's office was here, my office was here, and Henry and all those guys were down here. And there was a hallway down, and I would see them about 11:50 every day. They would walk down the hallway with a ball, with a football. And I didn't know, I didn't even. Like I didn't, it didn't dawn on me that you guys would be going into the stock room to throw footballs to one another. Throw football around in there. That stock room was a was a treasure trove, Jess. First of all, let me tell you, like in there, I don't know how, but there were decades old tops, you know, playing uh, football playing card sets, and so we would just open those up, and you'd find, you know, you get a pack (laughs) of seven players, but they're players from like the mid '80s, so you could have a great conversation. Oh, look, here's. Hugh Green. Oh, look, here's whoever. Just like random things there. But yeah, you're right. We would do that. We would also. It was a big room. We would also throw a ball around. Um, try and try and predict what was going to happen in some of the big NFL Europe matchups that weekend. All right. Now, which one of the two of you actually put Shuggy's head on for your game of catch? Uh, I'll tell you, as the guy with the, with the least hair. <laughs> Because Shaggy, Shaggy was Shaggy had a had a had a better head of hair than the guy who was wearing it. I will tell you that. <laughs> All right. Well, let me also tell you then that I checked with the PFF guys, and little okay. did you know that they were grading you through that whole time. And oh, Neil, really? I mean, Neil told me that um, you know you were really good on the short and intermediate throws. Didn't have a great long arm, but you didn't have to use it much in that in that. You know, that's in not the, true. In the stock room, yeah, but take me out of the stock room. I can, I can hit him downfield as well. But, I will tell you, Jeff. Oh, but you, your you your your quarterback rating at one seventeen, not bad, not bad. Not your bad stock room quarterback rating at one seventeen. What we would do as well, there were like there were shelves with you know with with things in, and we would you know open up a gap in the shelves, and then you'd have to hit it, get it through that through that hole to the receiver on the other side. Um, well, but one this, time we did get we we got we got found by the the 
at the time, the head of uh, finance with Neil wearing, the, sorry, the guy with less hair, Neil wearing the <laughs> wearing the, the shuggy wearing the shuggy head. And I think at that point we were told, "Hey guys, stop do it. Whatever it is you're doing, stop doing this." So Scott Barwick came down and said, "You guys knock it off. You two knuckleheads." Maybe heads. maybe that's what happened. Yeah. Okay. I got you. All right. Now, NFL NFL uh, Network is coming, right? At this time, and yep. it really, really was a huge jumping off point for a lot of people's careers, but particularly yeah. yours, right? It was. But before we do that, I want to get back to just quickly. I want to tell your fans about you know you in NFL Europe, and uh, because you know you were you were uh, no, but seriously, this this is this is a true thing. So one of my favorite things at the time was that during um, train NFL Europe training camp, which took place in Tampa every year, all the six clubs would go to Tampa, stay in one hotel, work out and one practice field. And, and my thing, and I, I honestly, I absolutely love this was every day I would have to go to one team's practice and I would write up a, you know, a, here's what happened in practice to get today with the Amsterdam admirals and five players who performed well and you know, notes that I took or whatever. And it, it was on the NFL Europe website. We'll go to practice every, and it was cool. You got to you know hang with some of the players, coaches, etc. Afterwards, and I learned a lot about football, and, and you know really, at the you know it's still like those moments were, were were I loved I loved doing that every time. But I remember one like the very first time showing up to this Amsterdam Admirals practice, and I was like, who the hell is making all that noise? The loudest person on the field, like someone is down there screaming and hollering and shouting at like Atari Big B or someone. You know, <laughs> Didn't, didn't do their thing right and 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 they were like oh that's jeff reinbold um and sure enough there you were and and you know you made an immediate impact on me that day uh, you know that was before you had come to work in the london office or whatever and i think we chatted after practice or i got some kind of quote from you about something but i was like who is this guy who just has so much energy and so loud down the other end of the field and that was the first time i you know met you saw you and and uh, and you know since then it's been it's been awesome getting to know you and that's why i was so happy when uh, you were added to the to the nfl europe office then yeah, you know, it's, that was such a great bunch of people. Really, really was a phenomenal bunch of people. And, you know, Tony used to re, Tony used to refer to working in the National Player Program as like being a missionary because we were trying yeah. to we were trying to grow the game. And, and everybody, everybody in the office was that way, trying to yeah. grow the game, trying to, trying Not to much create, different now. Not create much a different pathway. Now, no, it, yeah. it isn't. Now, let's talk about that because that's a good jumping off point. Now, obviously, Neil, you know, Neil does an amazing job at Sky of promoting mm-hmm. the game. Sky's, you know, we're going to have the network back again for a week at the draft. You know, the, the Sky NFL yeah. network's going to be back. Yeah. Television is such a driving factor in marketing sports, right? Mm-hmm. So for you, how much how much are you involved in the global television market? Definitely involved in, in that part of it. I would say that, you know, making sure that, I think one thing we've done a good job of recently is making sure that those guys you know our tv partners whether it's sky or partners in you know all of our other markets have lots of you know content assets whatever that can help them promote the game i think just saying like here's the nfl here's the draft whatever 
definitely going to bring the the fans who are existing fans in. But what we also have to do a really good job of is kind of make it more accessible to people who love sport but haven't necessarily discovered the NFL yet. So one of the ways that we try to help them is, you know, here's some content that's either going to educate people a little bit about the sport or the teams or the players that they're going to fall in love with and, and eventually become NFL fans or just like who are the, you know, here's some some great moments or, or something that makes it more accessible. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think TV is one way to do that. Uh, absolutely, you know, the best way to get reach, and then social media as well is a, another way that we can, you know, bring new people into the sport with um, with those kind of things. Because that was originally when you went to Los Angeles to work, it was digital media you were involved. Exactly. With, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I moved from the London office, having worked there for about seven years or so. Kind of, this is not the fridge stuff, not the not the not the uh, Berlin. Uh, game thing but seven years in a row as, as kind of a, a, a full-time employee if you like um i i uh, got the opportunity to go and work in la at the nfl media group um working on um basically the content programming across all of the digital platforms for the nfl so nfl.com nfl mobile the the uh, tv app just you know making sure that it was sort of surfacing the best content the most relevant content for fans on you know any not just any given day but any given moment like what is the story that people need to be seeing watching etc you know in this covid world there's no exact science and there's no exact dates and no exact anything but mm -hmm. huge news for a lot of people a couple weeks ago when the commissioner came out and said going to take international games back to london looking at yep. berlin as a possibility expanding and going back to mexico city again What's the long haul? What's the long vision that you guys have for developing the game internationally? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's being able to play, you know, give the same kind of experiences that fans have in the UK and will continue to have in the UK in other markets in, in Mexico, in Germany, you know, looking at other, you know, Canada, looking at Brazil, looking at all these places where, you know, you, there are, there's a big fan base. There are some interesting um, fans uh, or there's interest in the sport and, and how do we bring, um, how do we how do we bring the sport to to those to those fans? Uh, and you know we can do a lot of the stuff we just talked about TV, social, etc. But the best thing to really make you become a fan is to be one of those five hundred thousand people that wanted a ticket when we first announced a game in London uh, and and play a game there. So hopefully we'll be able to with the you know the the confirmed number of games that will be able to be taken internationally, um, we'll be able to to bring that experience to other people. Okay, well, this is really good. We've got a, a, a viewer from Mexico City that would like to ask you a question, Henry. Uh, Sonny Meta says, is there a specific market beyond Mexico, Canada, UK, and Germany that you are most excited by? And is Sonny from Mexico City? Sonny, um, good to hear from you. I think beyond those kind of four core markets, I, I think probably equally China, which is, you know, huge market, huge untapped market for the NFL, big opportunity, probably, um, you know, a, a, a market where the sport's a lot more foreign um, than, than it is elsewhere in the world, but I think a big opportunity. So I think that's one place. And then the other one's Brazil. Uh, I mentioned them just now, but Brazil, you know, we've done a lot of work in Brazil. There's a lot of fans of the NFL in Brazil. Uh, I think football's, you know, they love sport. People from Brazil are very active. They love sport. Um, and we see enormous social media engagement from Brazil. Um, and, um, you know, people are starting to, to pick up and play football as well, which is pretty cool. I got an amazing opportunity a couple of years ago. We took um, Russell Wilson uh, on a trip to Brazil. 
um, during carnival, which is, by the way, something I'm sure you've probably been, Jeff. But like that, that's <laughs> that's an amazing experience. And but just seeing the fans' reaction to, oh my God, Russell Wilson has come to Brazil to to see us, and he did some very cool things um, around kind of establishing the sport and and helping out um, some of the teams there that you know have nothing, but they've just got passionate kids and, and and adults playing the game and and actually donating equipment to them. It was very cool. Um, so I, I definitely think Brazil is an opportunity. And then there are other, you know, Australia, France, there's all kinds of other places where football's really up and coming. And I think we've got big opportunities for, for the sport to grow. All right, fans, get your questions into to Mike and, and then uh, he'll put them up on the screen for Henry. You know, you, now we got to travel down another part of this whole process because it is, you know, it is bigger than television. It's bigger than social media. It's bigger. Player development which has yep. been something that we have been involved in. You have been involved in. You are a part of our Team Europe program. You're part of the National Player Program, the original National Player Program. Obviously, now we have an academy uh, in London, the first of its kind in pro sports. It's the only league-wide academy uh, in, in, the, in the major sports. And uh, how important is international player development to international marketing so important so important i mean it starts you know back you know you, you talked about him just now but again another guy that definitely for me was was instrumental in in you know giving me opportunities to grow was tony allen i love tony he, he you worked very closely with him and tony pretty much from day one when i showed some interest in in what was then called the national player program was like fine this is you you are now you know added to this team to to try to help out here which was which was really cool and I, and I felt like yeah, I, I loved being involved in that and that goes back to the the kind of players um that you guys had as part of that group then who it hasn't changed a bit what we're doing now with the international player pathway program my favorite thing is that each of these guys has an incredible story and ultimately it's about their stories of how they started playing football, you know, th even this week, we just had a, a Chilean player named Samus Reyes signed by the Washington football team. And yesterday I, I listened to the press conference he did with the Washington media when he was signed. And it just brings me back. It could be him. It could be Christian Moore from Essen in Germany, or it could be Sebastian could, Vollmer. Sebastian Vollmer. It could be like any of these guys that you are you know, very familiar with. And I think fans in those markets are very familiar with the journey they took to get from I discovered football, you know, the conversation we just had, but I didn't have the athletic talent that these guys have, but I discovered football and played in, uh, and fell in love with football. I started playing it. This happened, this happened, this happened. And now here I am in the NFL or NFL Europe. Those are the coolest stories and the most relatable ones to fans around the world, right? If I, if I know that I'm a, if I'm a kid that's growing up in, where did Sebastian grow up? Dusseldorf, Germany. Think, or, Dusseldorf, yeah, yeah. In Germany, but Dusseldorf. If I'm a kid in Dusseldorf, it's so much more meaningful for me like, great. I watched Odell Beckham make an amazing catch and that blew my mind and that's incredible. But the fact that there's a guy that grew up eating, you know, seeing, going to school, um, breathing the same air as me, who's now in the NFL, just makes it much more relatable and makes it um, you know, something that I'm like, OK, this isn't a foreign sport played by guys in pads thousands and thousands of miles away. This is something that I could do. Um, so the more we can get these guys into the NFL, give them the opportunities that you guys were doing with the, the national player program, which eventually evolved into guys who played in NFL Europe and got not just got a chance to be on a team, but actually had to play because they were good enough because they were better than some of the American players that were, were allocated to the league. Um, 
and then evolved in you know, a few years later into the International Player Pathway Program, which has given them the chance to to then um, be on NFL practice squads. These are uh, that then become the FAO Bardas, that become the Jakob Johnsons, that become the Jordan Mylatas, who get to actually play in games. These are the these. Are, this is the pathway that definitely gives those players opportunities. But as they turn up actually playing in the NFL, they're dragging tens of thousands of, of new fans behind them because they're like, oh, I get it. I know that. You know, I know that guy or I know who that guy is. And so it's it's incredibly important. And that, you know, you're talking about long term, where does the NFL go and how does it grow? It's more of those kind of stories that, that will help us um, get there and become a, a, you know, a true kind of global sport. Well, I think you've you've uh, th- there's a spinoff benefit to that, too, because now you watch today uh, the Canadian Football League had their international player draft. Yeah. And yeah. there were some kids who were pathway player programs that were drafted today. Mm-hmm. I know our, our team drafted a punter from Australia in the first round. We drafted an English linebacker. We drafted a Finnish defensive tackle. So it is now football is becoming more and more of an international game. And you mentioned yeah. Canada, Canada as a possible place where you'd like to play games. Again, you used to. Had games in Toronto, had have had yep. games in Vancouver. Um, yep. You know, when you look at all of it and in the in its entirety, you know, I, I know it's a it's huge business. It, it is huge business, but it, it's a sport that is so incredible. And for us to think about, we've had Adam Gotsis on the show, who I met as a 16 year old Australian kid mm-hmm. playing in a in a youth. Uh, you know, like a, it was just kind of like a youth weekend where all the states from Australia sent their best players and they all got together and slammed into each other for for, for two days. And to think that that kid's playing in the national play, it's, it's incredible. It is. It's they incredible. are truly, really is. they are the best stories out there. They really are. And and I, and, you know, I think you're the same. I get very attached to those stories. Um, Absolutely. You know, the, the, the guys, I remember, um, you know, another guy who I'm incredibly passionate about because he's such an overachiever and has done so much is Adam Dirty, who was part of that national player program, played, you know, in Scotland and Hamburg. And, and you know, honestly, like he was on the field because he was the best player at his position, not because he was a national player. Um, and because he was smart, he you know, I think Adam, by his own admission, isn't the greatest athlete, but he knew where the ball was going to be and playing inside linebacker, that definitely helps you. Um, and, and, you know, I've got to know Ad really well along the way and, and, and was passionate about helping him grow the program when he was in charge and, and leading the international player pathway program. And I remember him showing up in LA probably three, four years ago, like in, in early December. And he was like, Hey, you've got to come and meet this guy. So I went with him to a hotel and met this kid, the biggest human being I've almost ever seen named Jordan Mylata. And he was like, you know, he, we just worked him out. You wouldn't believe what this guy can do. And check out these rugby highlights. And again, it's completely blown away that this Australian kid who's come out of nowhere, never played the sport before, but he, you know, took the chance and was coming and running and jumping and everything for them. And he was like, we're definitely going to have him be part of this program. Got to know Jordan, who is the sweetest, nicest human being you can possibly imagine, but also turns into, you know, the Incredible Hulk on, on Sundays. We, <laughs> we have now discovered... And just being, you know, alongside Adam as he was, you know, helping develop um, Jordan and, and you know, being able to tell that story. And again, it, for me, it is about the storytelling for these guys, which ultimately ended up with him getting drafted by the Eagles. Uh, the, and, then, and then seeing how his career has progressed and he got the opportunity, obviously, to play a bunch last year. There, there's nothing more satisfying than seeing those guys get these opportunities 
because they deserve them because they work so damn hard for them and they've come so far to get the opportunity as well and then being able to tell that story is it's um it's it's really cool i love it yeah uh, you know it is this you you realize that it's not america's game and i think that yeah. is absolutely fantastic because mm -hmm. you know there was that there was that series america's game right and yeah you know it's not, it's everybody's game. It's, the it's everybody's game. game. Yep. It, it, it has yeah. true. And I think it's just going to, I, I can't see how it's going to stop. I mean, we had a, we had a global pandemic and it can't stop us. I mean, exactly. You know, exactly. so I think that is just so cool. Mikey hit us with some questions. If you got them in there, please. All right. Owen Thomas says, how much stock went missing from, <laughs> from the stock room accidentally. <laughs> and this is from Mumbles Wales. Mumbles is a great place, by the way. I've been to Mumbles a few times. A few times a friend of mine lived there. And I, just the idea that there's a place called Mumbles is one of my favorite <laughs> things. But it is also a beautiful place. Um, how much? I don't think we, I, we we definitely weren't in the business of taking stuff out of there. Um, there was, you know, I certainly um, took some of the the, the um, tops cards that we were packets that we were opening. But I don't, they, no one really could explain to me why there were cards from 1988 in there. So I don't think anyone minded too much that we were taking those. But I don't think I, I don't think I took anything other than that. Uh, All right. All right. Now, uh, we're just about done. And the last thing that we do every week is we play a little word association game. All right. Okay. Where I'm going to give you a name of a person, a place, uh, just some random things. And you, you have, you got to restrict your answers to one word answers now. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's play a little bit and, uh, I'm going to start you with this one. Alistair Kirkwood. The man. Hero. Okay. okay. Dan Marino. <laughs> um, also the man. I mean, what can I say about Dan Marino in one word? I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now without if I if I hadn't seen Dan Marino do what he did on TV when I'm talking to you earlier about that, that you know, he, he's probably the reason I'm sitting here now talking to you. All tag all taggly boo. Tags. Um <laughs> uh, architect. Okay, good one. Hey, there you go. Jim Jensen. Crash. <laughs> Do you know what? It's so crazy that you because when Jeff and I talked earlier today, and uh, and he said, you know, I'll ask you about some of your you know your favorite players from back in the day, and you know, Demarino is definitely the man, but the the number two guy for me was Jim Crash Jensen. Crash was um was you know I, I think a player you would love more than anyone else because he did a bit of everything right. He was a great special teams player. He played tight end. He was their backup quarterback. He was their backup punter. Like Crash could do anything and everything. And so I'll tell you a good story. The year that the Dolphins came and played in London in two thousand seven, um I had to well, I didn't have to I was allowed to go and um. I guess earlier in the season that the, our game was probably week six or seven or something of the season. And earlier in the year when, the, and that team was terrible. You remember they came into, I think they won one game that season. Um, but earlier in the year, I went to a Dolphins game in Miami to film something with MTV in the UK. And one of the things we were able to do was go into, they have like a play, an ex players lounge that, um, that, that, you know, former players can show up and, and be at the game. And so there was a former tight end who played for the Dolphins briefly. Then, uh, 
uh, Howard Cross, Howard Cross, Some, I can't remember, who who showed us around and, and gave us the tour. But then we went into this room to to watch the second half of the game, and I'm like, oh my god, there's Jim Jensen. I couldn't, I honestly like, I couldn't have fanboyed out more than <laughs> in that moment. The, uh, that I like of all the players, uh, you know, there were guys. Mark Duper was in there, and whoever else. But it was Jim Jensen. That I was like, wow, that's really Jim Jensen. I had a nice chat with him. A super nice guy, but Crash Jensen. Yes, sorry for okay, uh, game, but I love uh, that guy. All right, now I'm going to tell you my Jim Jensen story. Okay. Jim Jim Jensen played quarterback at Boston University, which yep. was in which was in the league that I played in at the University mm-hmm. of Maine, and we were playing them his senior year, and he had the neck roll on. As a, as, a, as, a quarterback, as a quarterback, even in, as a college player, yeah. Jim Jensen was about 6'3 and really yeah. a good athlete, right? Yeah. He wasn't a great quarterback. He was like a, the best athlete on the field, right? Yeah. So I'm playing safety, and he drops back to pass and scrambles around and gets, gets out, and he starts running down the sideline. And, Neil, I mean, Henry, I got him lined up, and I'm going to whack him, right, right on the <laughs> sideline. And I come, and I – leave my feet and he jumps over me. And all I can remember is he's like doing the splits and I went right through him <laughs> to the, into the Boston university bench. Right. Oh, and, no. I look, and then I look like this and there's Jim Jensen scoring, scoring a touchdown in the end. I, zone. I bet, I bet the coaches didn't show that in. Hey, listen, man, it has been so awesome to catch up with you. And it's I, I'm always great to see you, Jeff. So proud of you and so proud of what you're doing and so proud of our league for, you know, giving guy, you know, I mean, how many, how many, I think about, you know, you, we talk about those stories, right? And this is, this is the key thing. And this is so, so important. You don't have to be a player necessarily to have a great story or to have an NFL career or any of those other things. So there are kids out there that may watch this and say, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be, you know, the vice president of international marketing, whatever. So again, thank you so much for coming and sharing that with us. Thank you, Jeff. It's been, it's a pleasure seeing you and great to, to, you know, be able to get questions from fans and all that stuff. And I love what you, you're you doing with this. This is awesome. So I will, uh, I, I've watched some before, but I'll be tuning in even more. The only thing I'm disappointed about is I bought a copy to copy with Coach and you didn't have a copy at, at all. It, I've had six of them already this morning. If I had any more, I wouldn't be able to sit down. <laughs> Take care, Henry. I have Take my care. best See you family. soon. All right. You, Aloha. All right. All right. Mikey, how about that, huh? Vice President of the National football league what a what a great what a great get and thank you fans so much for 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 all the questions and all of it is really good it was one of those things where you just sit literally and as he, as henry just said there just well you can't really drink a coffee at 10 past 10 in ireland at night like but i mean it was very it was it was a great conversation and it was good to hear obviously about the old days in nfi europe and just what goes on behind the scenes yeah it was great and great great interaction especially on youtube a lot of people have been subscribing over the last hour as well so Okay, now that's actually because again, you know me. This, you and I are the we're like the dream team because you know everything, and I know nothing. Right? So, Come if somebody on, if somebody wants to subscribe to the YouTube channel, if somebody wants to watch, can explain to me how all that works. Or just we'll, we'll we will tweet the link cards maybe every day over the next week. But if you literally just type in on, on YouTube on the search "Coffee with Coach Reinbold" or just "Coffee with Coach," it should come up. Hit the channel, just hit subscribe. Or if you see the video, it should just hit under it, subscribe, and it works perfectly. Uh, I think you've got 10 or 15 people that have done that in the last hour. A lot of comments come through, and obviously thanks to everybody 
for their patience uh, for getting this on live on YouTube. But we're, we're ready to go and all in good time for the draft one. We're going to keep growing it. I tell you what, we got great guests coming again uh, in the next week, couple weeks. And uh, Maha Tanavasa, who was supposed to be with us today, couldn't be with us today. He's going to be back with us next Tuesday. Uh, we're going to really start to hone in on the draft and we're going to stack our board and we want you to be a part of it. So join us here again next week on Coffee with the Coach. Aloha. Thank you very much. Cheers.